Hi, I'm Bryn Thompson. This is the Coburn Ventures podcast. It's for our clients, for investors, for our community of industry leaders, fellows, and friends. This is a group that loves the craft of investing, studies change, is dedicated to business analysis and leadership, and all that's behind the scenes of that work. I hope you enjoy it. Today, we're talking about community and business, and we have with us two business leaders who know loads about this topic, Peter Esperson and Darren Herman. Their experience on the topic runs deep, and both have extensive entrepreneurial experience, but they each have past roles that will help you connect to them, perhaps putting together that you've met them previously at one of our gatherings, and see why we immediately thought of these two for our conversation. Peter was Global Head of Crowdsourcing and Online Innovation at LEGO, and Darren for his role as VP of Product at Mozilla Firefox. So I hope you enjoy this conversation between the four of us, now for you, on Community and Business. Just a quick setup, so Darren and Peter, we're all on the same page of what the heck are we doing with this discussion about community. So I guess for about 20 years, what our group has attempted to do is sink below the surface of the topic of the day or the market of the day or the fad of the day uh, to incorporate those in, but first sink down at a level below that to see if there's kind of some elements about the human condition or the human experience of, or what is an organization at, the, at a very low level that goes across all of the SIC codes, all the industries. And so we've been doing that for about 20 years to then boil up whatever learnings that we think we have there to then bring them up to the business analysis level. So about um, in 2012, we put out a report on three of those called three 100-year investment themes. And one of them was community slash communication. And I didn't say this flippantly, like, oh, 100 years. I really meant it. And the reason I meant it was that I think it is a topic that is so important to people community communication, so important. And yet I think we're really at a very infantile state of being good at it. So to me, that means there's the potential for succession of succession of improvement. And so that's when we think about community and communication, we're thinking like, oh my God, we're, we're not really good at these things, but we really wanna do them well. And then if you can build them into products and services, and you know, at some level, I get scared if we're turning to community you know, through Nike, for instance, that scares me a little bit. But at the same time, when you walk into a Starbucks, there's some level of relationship that feels good. It's not the same level at the Thanksgiving dinner um, table, hopefully, but there's some level of connection. We're in this, or I go to a Ohio State Buckeye game or a Rolling Stones concert. And why I kind of think this is so important is that you take a company like Facebook that creates like likes and like very, very weak ties to people you knew in high school, sort of, and pictures and a little bit of that, plus some more stuff, but a little bit of that, and it's you know worth a trillion dollars. Mm. And I'm thinking, whoa, that tells us something about the potential for huge, huge new infrastructure advancement in all of these different little ways from Harley Davidson to this to that. So I guess that's where I'll start it. I, I did have one other example. So the word communication, I was taught that it's one of the rare action nouns in, the, in our English language. And it's an action taken towards the experience of oneness. 
I think we've confused that with like a telephone. So when I go to the bar to watch the Buckeyes play, which we don't do right now, but to watch the Buckeyes play, or I go to the stadium, I'm, it's an action I'm taking to feel more oneness with other people in that space. You know, I can, I can just pick up where, uh, where Pip left it because one, oh, of, Peter, know, so one of Peter's backgrounds is a, oh, a, yeah. almost like community builder at Lego for so many of you know him already, but that's pretty important context, I suppose. Well, most definitely. But, but I think if you look a little bit more at the, at the mega trends on community is originally, you know, community was tied around countries, your village, your religion or things like that, that a lot of these things have been dispersed in the past, I don't know, 20, 30 years. And that feels like a vacuum and that's where brands popular, uh, you know, popular media phenomenons, uh, new created stories are, are taking up that place. And it's, it's interesting, but I, what I think is, 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 and just picking up on a specific thing you mentioned with Nike, uh, Pip, if we turn to a, a company for these kind of communities, you would say we're off in a bad place. I'm not sure, but the, the thing that, that, it, that is for sure is that the companies need to change. Because once you want to be a community in, in any shape or form, then you need to link, relinquish some form of control. And when you do that, then you have sense making around your brand and then you can't act as a normal corporate actor without huge risk. Examples of that is say, if you wanna change your brand logo, which any company can do, you know, sometimes thousands, if not millions of people have tattoos with it. It, it means something. And a good example of how bad it can, it can really go uh, is if, if you guys remember um, when George Lucas tried to create uh, change the original Star Wars movies, that was his property, then there was a big uproar and scare and people got very, very mad at him. And he ended up becoming persona non grata in a community that he created. So you could be actually kicked out of your own community. So it's just, it, it, there's a lot of risk and there's a different mechanic for companies that, that enter that space. Right, going back to that definition you used, Pip, um, communi communication is an experience towards oneness. There, there isn't a hierarchy in there, really, in, in that definition, I don't think. So it's messier, perhaps. I'm so excited to see we're on um, we're on Zoom doing this. I'm so excited to find out what Darren's going to say. He was about to jump out of his skin earlier. And I, I just can't wait to hear what he has to say. Hopefully it completely contradicts what we said. Community does not mean agreement, incidentally. It means oneness. <laughs> How do you know I'm going to disagree? The, um, <laughs> the, um, I don't disagree, but I'd like to ask some questions. Um, and I guess start by when I listened to the opening and I was listening to it, it felt like we're not doing a good job of community. And the only person doing a good job of community is Facebook because they're valued at a trillion dollars or whatever it is. But, but I think in society, irregardless of whether we're digital or not, uh, so like your coffee shop example, right? Um, communities exist all over, you know, religious, you know, sports, you know, uh, you know uh, uh, book groups, you know, you name it, there's communities. Um, and so it's not that they don't exist. The question is, is to what standard do we need to hold them to, to say that communities are actually working, I think. Um, and, and Facebook's an interesting one that you bring up because that trillion dollars is, you know, built in because they've amassed 
a lot of eyeballs on a platform, more eyeballs than we've ever seen in any platform before. And, and not just on .com, but distributed across all of their apps. And they continue to buy some big, big apps that bring them to broader communities across the, the, the globe. And so, you know, Facebook's sort of the enabler of many communities. Um, and I think they're valued at that. Um, but I don't think that you need to be on Facebook or everybody needs to be a Facebook in order to have community. Um, which I know is not what you're saying, but just something, you know, provocative to, to sort of think about. Um, now, Nike, you know, I actually wouldn't mind being in a Nike community. And they actually have an app called Sneakers. And that's for an entire community of sneaker heads and sneaker collectors. <laughs> and, you know, that's not a community that we hear about every day, depending upon, well, actually you do, depending upon what, what world you live in. Um, but, um, you know, you know, that's a robust community. Um, and then if I think about, you know, you guys are into running and, you know, ath athleticism and stuff like, you know, looking at what Under Armour or other competitors to Nike have done in sort of the fitness communities, going out and buying apps that have built in communities to them, like, fit, uh, sorry, um, uh, my fitness pal and stuff like that. You know, those, those apps, you know, started off as, you know, startups and, and uh, you know, provided telemetrics to, to health. Um, and have robust uh, uh, community platforms sort of built around them, and then have sort of been absorbed into the Borg. Um, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, I think that actually could be really interesting as, as a consumer. You know, it's not a turnoff to, to, you know, partner, you know, think that Under Armour serving a community that I'm interested uh, in. I don't know. Just, just put. No, this is all super interesting. I was thinking about the Hash House Harriers. If anyone knows those, they're all over the globe. They're running groups that get together on, I guess, Sundays anywhere in the world, and then they go drinking after they go running. Um, but no one sponsors that. When I think about community, as far as I know, actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yet. Uh, when I think about too. community, I think about. Um, the distinction of a community as a place, and this is just my working definition, a place where you have the experience of contributing to others. So if you go to a Rolling that, Stones concert, you're, when you're cheering and applauding, you're actually contributing to the experience of the other people too. Um, I'm also interested, Darren, from your orientation and background in the open source community, um, what that was like and what you take from that and put it. I, I also totally agree that there's different levels of community. There's pop-ups, there's low level, hey, I'm, I go to the same Starbucks as I recognize faces all the way to, you know, the community of a family and all these things. I don't know. Yes. Take it anywhere well, you want. Well, you brought up the open source thing. And so I spent some time at Mozilla, uh, which is one of the largest open source software companies. Um, people know us for Firefox, um, the web browser. And um, that's actually where I met Peter. <laughs> but uh, but uh, um, with, with that, um, you know, I never truly understood the exponential power that a community could have uh, for a business uh, before I was at Mozilla. And I, I had, before Mozilla, had worked in marketing and I worked with a lot of brands and artists that had communities, i.e. Justin Bieber. Um, but I would say, uh, you know, um, Firefox blows that away. Uh, to the fact where you come in every single morning and tens of thousands of engineers across the world 
who work for Google, Apple, Microsoft, et cetera, are all writing your code for you. And you're coming in and you have this distributed workforce across the globe that self-organizes, gets no dollars for it. Uh, all they want are teddy bears that we send them, you know, fuzzy foxes. Uh, and then we give them like $200 to do a meetup in Latvia or, you know, in, in Bulgaria. And, you know, we organize around that. And the, when, when we are like, you know, we put a message out to say, hey, you know, we're about to release, you know, the new, you know, whatever, the amount of work they do uh, and go out just because they're proud and passionate and, you know, go bring that to the world um, is, uh, is incredible. And I, and I never, it, I, you, you can't understand it until you're in it. And I'm sure Peter has seen that with Lego. Now, I'm a, I'm a, um, I was rejected by the community. Um, and it's a reason I'm not there. Um, and what was interesting about that was I'm looked at as a suit. Um, and I was the one trying to say, you know, we need to think about the monetization of our business and we need to think about the future of the organization. Um, and I don't want to hurt anything that we've built, but we need to think about how to sustain ourselves beyond just a contract or two we have with some big search providers. And because I came in with alternative thought to a lot of people, I met resistance in many ways. Uh, and, and, for, and I'm being like open and candid, I'm no longer there. Um, and so, you know, what you were opening, you know, in the opening remarks, I think, you know, Peter, you were talking about, you know, it's the, community is amazing when it works in your favor, <laughs> but you can be ousted by your own community and, and you're looking at him right now. Um, and, and so I've been there and it's, it's crazy. Like, uh, and I can't go into it, but like, it's, it's amazing at how it can work, but on a flip of a dime, you can be completely, you know, organ rejected and be on the streets and end up in private equity. It's almost, it's the complete opposite of something that is solid. <laughs> and constant and able to be managed by the well, way you talk about it. I was thinking about recently, um, you mentioned Facebook earlier. It, it seems like it's both been phenomenally successful providing communities, modestly successful, and then radically destructive, depending on how we look at it. As our friend Irwin says, community is really a verb. It's community-ing. And it depends on what the we is in the in the phrase, if it's truly to serve all of mankind, well, Facebook probably hasn't done a very good job. If it's to help me feel a little closer to some old friends in high school, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I think just picking up what, what Darren uh, mentioned here with being ousted of your own community, these things are, remember, when, when you have a community and when you build a business model around it, say when Under Armour buys into Mondo or things like that, they need to understand that, that the community has the power of the collective beings in it and you don't own them. You might buy them for money, but you don't own them. And that that's the, that they, they can be, and I think the, the example with George Lucas, they can be quite uh, rabid and get really, really mad at you. And there is a common... Uh, well, Peter, just to inter, inter, interject, yeah. Zsa Bing was a horrible, oh, yeah. horrible travesty that he should never have done. And maybe he deserves being ousted just for Zsa Zsa Bing. 
Well, I, I can tell you, I was part of a community that made sure that didn't happen in film two and three. It was called Jaja Binks Must Die. And uh, it was kind of, a, so, so you can actually affect things happening real time with the community. You can also do that, that, that can really happen. I can give you some examples of, of how, how you can play on it from Lego that really worked. One of the things that we found out there was that if our lead fans started complaining more than usual about the price of bricks, then we knew that that would over time spill over into the mainstream and that we were probably tightening the, the screw a little too much on the uh, monetization. So they can be used as uh, for things like that. But the, the problem with, with, with building these communities as a company is that you can't, you need rules of engagement surrounding it. You need to relinquish control and try and influence. Um, and you need to understand that, that these people might have a different value set than a company has. And a lot of corporate operators in, in the space, in the community space, misunderstand the community's love for a product with the love for the company. Uh, Lego fans, they love the product, not necessarily the company. Usually that kind of comes with it, but that's not why they're there. It's not to, to make a person rich. They're there because it provides value in terms of, you know, self-realization, creative outlet, and, and so on and so on. You see that with Peloton right now. I think I sort of think that they don't really know what a community is, but they're getting bonus points for being some form of community. But I don't think many people sitting at home are going, I love this company, to your point. I don't know. Are you in their Facebook groups? No. Well, I mean, so I'm, I am. And the community of rapid, you know, a, a type A Peloton fans is incredible. Like That's just awesome. last, like last night, this, this gentleman probably in his sixties, I don't know, posted this picture of him over the last nine months. And he went from like 300 something pounds to like 260. And now he just broke 200 pounds. That's cool. And he has no less. And he, and he talked about his journey and, and his journey was not easy, both, you know, physically and mentally, et cetera. But there's no less than 10,000 likes and probably at least a thousand comments from Peloton community members talking about how inspiring and amazing you know that he has been. But that's one example of that's thousands awesome. of posts. But at the same time, when Peloton raised its prices, <laughs> that community or 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 Peloton shifted oh, yeah. some instructors, some instructors sort of disappeared without any warning. You know, the 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 uh, that community definitely spoke up. And so know, that's almost a I, sign of there is a community that you may not actually want. Be careful what you wish for as exactly. a company. That yes. Actually, they engendered community to the extent that when they did a couple of those things, boom. I can give you a good example because I follow the Peloton community quite, uh, quite close as well. It, first of all, their community interaction doesn't happen off platform, meaning not really on the bike. You can high five and do a couple of small things there. But what was I really found interesting, there was my favorite instructor who was no longer there, um, had a very, very powerful community, often thousands of people online at the same time, even when she was not there. She posted on her Facebook or Instagram that she would take a certain ride at a certain time. All of us was on it again. And now all her, her things are not there anymore. And there's probably reasons for that. But it's quite interesting to see that what Peloton does is they build media personalities that have very distinct characteristics and generate followings. But these followings are slippery. 
And it means, let's say if, if COVID hadn't happened, Darren and I were in the Bob Johnson community and he switched to flywheel. Then all of a sudden Darren and I are like, eh, we're probably going to flywheel now. That, so I, I completely agree. So that, so my example of that is that the precursor to Flywheel and Peloton what is and was an app. It's still around called Aptiv, A-A-P-T-I-V. Um, that's hard to spell, um, at least for me. Um, and um, they, they were uh, audio only, so no visual. Um, and I was going on a fitness journey because I had to lose a bunch of weight. And I found this one instructor on Aptiv who I absolutely loved. Um, his name is Coach Ben. And he, like every day, he was my guy. Like, you know, and, and it was on demand, so it wasn't even live. And, and But I felt such an attachment to him to the point where I came to New York. I was coming to New York for a, a meeting. I, I emailed him, I like, I found him. I emailed him and I was like, can I buy you lunch? Like, I'll pay the hour, your hourly like rate to, to uh, you know, whatever you would charge for fitness instruction. And I just wanted to, I, I literally listened to you every day for the last like, you know, 180 days. And I went to lunch with him and he did not charge me. Um, but I went to lunch with him at the Brian Park Grill and we were sitting there and he goes, I'm leaving. And I looked and I, I like my heart, like literally fell through the chair. And he's, and, and, and what ended up happening was that Aptiv, uh, they, they had some cash issues for the organization and uh, they were switching the way that they were compensating the instructors and the instruction the instructors all went different directions. Um, and the app just went down, which showed how powerful the relationship is between the customer and the instructor. Uh, and so, you know, it's a slippery slope that Peloton has to think about too, you know, as, as you know, the more that they talk about a respective instructor and make a, you know, a triple A instructor, there's risk. And they call that out in their public statements, which is, you know, if Alex Toussaint or Robin Arzon were to walk away tomorrow from Peloton, what would happen with, you know, the, the tens of thousands of people that take their live classes? So um, it's Peter, interesting. Let, Peter, let me ask, what's, how does a Peloton, can a Peloton or a Lego become a New York Yankees where, you you know a player leaves or such like that and you're you're pissed for a week or two but you're not gonna trade in your yankee hat well i i would say peloton can most definitely get there if they find other things except their instructors that unite people lego has that and that means that even if the company goes away they're uh, or they change the color of the bricks they're not going to go to megablocks it's just not going to happen um but you, you can erode a community, but when it's as strong and firm as say Lego, it will take a long time, but also it's taken 80 years to get there. And so Peloton is early in their community journey and, and they need to figure out how, how they can build other community features into their product that's not tied to media personalities. Because what, it, what would be even cooler is that I know, for example, our common friend Holly uh, also has a Peloton, and, but it, it's very seldom that, that we do a ride together and I don't do a ride with Darren and it's, it's be better at those kind of things because once uh, you'll be in a position where I can see, Oh, Darren has taken four rides this week with Alex Roussant or Robin and, and I haven't, then that can spur me to use the product more and that creates stickiness. Um, and that's really what you, what you want. You want that stickiness where it's glued not to media personalities, but to the network of other people. 
And once you do it with your like your real life friends, then you need to create opportunities for me or Darren or whoever to connect with other like-minded people who can add that glue and that durability of the community. But it's difficult. It's really difficult to create. So at the end of sometimes at the end of uh, meetings or discussions, as as many of you know, we we try and cherry pick at least just one thought from each of us that either was super important or surprising or what have you. And, and I just wanted to see what might be there for, for us. Um, Peter, something come to mind for you? Yeah, I think the one thing I've, I've, we haven't talked about, but that I'm always really passionate about with communities is this kind of clutch or interface uh, between the community and a company. Mm -hmm. I think that's an area most people underestimate and undervalue and also underinvest in. It really, it's really where, where the rubber hits the tarmac. You just think you have a community, they're great, they'll do all these nice things for you, but you really need to create a win-win situation all the time for both the company and, and the community. And it's not difficult. Sorry, it is difficult, it's not easy. Darren? I was going to go in, in a different direction, but I really like where Peter went. And so maybe I can, um, you can, you can have both cake and eat it. it too. Uh, I, so it's interesting because I always, I always look at organization like businesses, brands, um, and, and think about why they don't embrace their community and, or why don't they try and create or, or co-create or, you know, enable communities, um, in, in the world. Um, and a lot of times it comes down to who is responsible for the community within the brand. Um, and where does that sit? And a lot of time, at least I've seen, uh, it sits in marketing and marketing sole purpose is to promote a product. And the worst thing you can do to a community is be overtly promotional. Uh, and, and so I think, you know, the question that I have is where, if, if a brand is going to harness their community or harness a community, you know, where should that sit, you know, and, and who is, where, where does the chief community officer, you know, live within an organization and what is the capability and function and, and, and organization within the brand that harnesses that? Uh, and, and so, you know, is that in the product team? Maybe, uh, is that in the finance team? Probably not. Um, but you know, it's, it's a question, you know, that Peter sort of inspired, uh, and I face it, you know, in, in my day job every day. Wow. Now you had a second thought though, Darren, also that one was so good. We'll grant you a second one. I don't want a second one. I don't want to ruin the first. <laughs> So mine is, um, I just keep thinking about how unsticky these communities are, how organic they are, how they spin up and down and can't be controlled in the typical way that we like to think of a customer group. Um, so there's just sort of this, now I have this sort of association of community as an amoeba more so than I did before this conversation. I have a second thought. Go for it. So, you know, communities have, I think we started talking about, you know, communities have always existed. They exist in many different ways. And, you know, Pip, you highlighted Facebook's captured, you know, 
quite a bit of market cap based on the back of, of communities. But why Facebook? Like, think about all that have come before. And, you know, Andreessen Horowitz is, is one of the sexiest, you know, venture institutions and have made some amazing investments over at A16Z. But you got to remember, they also built a company called Ning <laughs> uh, before. And Ning was an enabler of micro communities. You know, it was the post kind of like forums and message boards, but before Facebook sort of gap. <laughs> uh, and, and I don't think Ning was extremely successful. Um, and there were many companies like Ning. Um, and so, you know, as a, as a B2B software investor or B2B to C software investor, why, why Facebook? Like what made Facebook, uh, you know, catch on when there's a lot that have come before it that weren't able to go in that direction? Um, and, uh, you know, that's, that's one of the questions that I think about. Two things come to mind for me as greatest hits. One is just this ongoing look at control and its relationship to community. So we started off, Peter, with religions and governments and all advancing and organizing, but religions are extremely controlling or historically have been, and now they're less controlling. Like you don't automatically become a fill in the blank. So I wanna play with that, that orientation of control and community and how that intersects. And it could be that some of those locked-ins of old communities, there's now more freedom to choose where, and that does mean it's more slippery, but at moments it could be more powerful. Darren, your eyes went up when I said this. Any thought that triggered? And then I guess the second one is the levels of community. Meaning, can a Starbucks say, hey, our role is such, it's different than this other thing, but can we put in subtle levels of, let's say relationship, if not community, relationship that when people go in, have their experience better, even though you know, they're not community in the form of like, we're having a Sunday dinner type of thing. I just think there's a, probably a lot of subtlety that help people feel part of something when you move into it. I remember the old commercial for, I think it was Applebee's when they wanted to be like the local whatever. And their coach Bob's picture was being hung up on the wall. And if you ever go into an Applebee's, it is anything but community. So they're trying to put this layer of where you're local, but it just didn't sort of fit. Yet, I think there's all these different levels and subtleties that you can provide. And I'd, I'd love to get, just keep learning about it. When I was like 14, my, my first non-entrepreneurial job was I worked in a bagel store in White Plains, New York. And, you know, I was behind the counter like any kid would. And uh, what, the insight that I had was how many people came, yes, to get bagels, but also to catch up with on every Sunday at 9 a.m. They knew the six people were going to be in line and they just caught up with their six people. And that was their once a week catch up you know, in the bagel store, waiting to get their bagels in Nova. And, you know, they did it for 10, 15 minutes and then they went their own way. But you always heard every Sunday at nine o'clock, you know, Joe Smith was going to be there. And, you know, maybe four of the five uh, people uh, were there every week and they would just rotate. And you sort of have that appreciation of, you know, the local offline, you know, bagel shop feel um, and uh, people just coming together to chat. It was, it was, there's something romantic about that, which is what attract and intimate, 
which is what attracts people. It's like, you know, going to visit, you know, New York again and going to Bleecker Street and going to a vinyl store, you know, and, you know, when you walk into a vinyl record store, you know, everybody in that store <laughs> is, is brought together by music and then not just music, but, you know, vinyl. And you can pretty much talk to anybody um, in the store and have an immediate connection. And I just find that so powerful. I just have another, a little bit of a different spin on what you said, Pip, with the Applebee's, because I think what, what was not present in the Applebee's scenario is authenticity. And whereas they, <clears throat> Darren's vinyl store, which is usually dusty, and it's the same guy in like his battle vest, you know, a cowboy jacket without sleeves on it, that's in there. And that, that kind of authenticity is incredibly important because if, if that's not there, then it, it's fake. And we're, we're being bombarded with community offerings from, I don't know, the last one I got this morning's Bank of America that has like an advisory panel that wants to create that. And it's just, it, there's so many opportunities. So I need the things that make sense to me and that are authentic um, and not just something that's made up to kind of be a marketing spin or a loyalty program or something like that. Uh, the other greatest hit that came in the greatest hits round is where does this fit in an organization? And the guy in the vinyl, not to stereotype the guy who's in the vinyl shop, but uh, it's almost like you'd go in there if you came as an outsider, like Darren took me with him in there. Hey, we're going to just drop in. I might walk out and go, you know, these guys really, they got to market themselves a lot better, you know, and that would destroy the authenticity because Apple, that's where Applebee's wound up. Hey, we need to build. And someone said, we need community. I read this report from Pip and, you know, we need to build. So how about like we fake coach Bob will come up with some and, and then it'll seem like so ridiculous to the actual experience of the people that go in there. What a kind of a, a cool conundrum to wrestle with. So I'm all the more thoughtful that this is hundred years. You know, one thing that I found early on with, with this community and social media, I always found it fun that, and has said a couple of times that companies, organizations that go into this space, it's almost like seeing your dad dance at a Christmas party. It's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> but, but what also happened, the ones that were really good at it was usually the interns that could take on a Twitter handle and then they were good at it. But think about this. If you're a big company and have maybe 2 million followers on Twitter and you have an intern that ha is the most powerful voice and then they have a bad day, that's just not what you want. Um, and one of the reasons Lego was very successful in this space is because it was the CEO and the owner of the company that they engaged with the fans. They gave out their phone number to them. So it was always when I worked in that community area of the business, if I were not, you know, if I really did something bad, they would call my boss's boss and tell me, what's this dude doing? <laughs> and it, it's true. It's happened. I wonder if there's a framework or like a two by two or something like that, that shows like depth of community engagement versus hmm. like some economic indicator. Um, because there's some brands that are super surface and that's okay, maybe. Um, but there's some brands that go, you know, extremely deep, i.e., you know, Peter's world and, and others. Um, and I wonder though, is there like a multi, is there like a multiplier for, is it worth to go super deep hmm. and do you get the benefit? Um, and, and I don't know what the right matrix is, like um, but I wonder if there's uh, something there. It'd be interesting. That makes a lot of sense. If you're, if you're the head of Pepsi and someone comes in and says community and says, oh, by the way, you're going to have to give up control. The first thing you'd say is, um, uh, can you say that again? What, what do you mean? 
because you're in charge of something that's worth a hundred billion dollars. Yeah. And that's, as I remember during uh, probably, Darren, you may remember this somewhere around 2003 or 2004, there was a, there was a minor league baseball team, I think in Iowa, and they wanted fan participation and to enhance community <clears throat> uh, where there already was a lot of community. So they were trying to amp up this thing. So they let the fans vote for what place, what positions the players should play. Yes. <laughs> and the fans thought this was the greatest thing. The manager is like, you, this is ridiculous. And quite literally, I think they did it for three games or something. So they'd have the catcher playing shortstop and because the fans just were in it to see, Hey, that would be fun. You know, they weren't trying to have the team lose. They were just having fun. Or, or we're all armchair quarterbacks and think we know more than the coach or the GM and, you know, we don't, but you know. turns out we don't. <laughs> but it's, I think that's so two words that I wrote down in this conversation. One was contribution. And then I did an arrow pointing to motivation. So that that's a fan not contributing to the excellence of the thing they are a fan of. That's just sort of, I don't know what, toying with something or some really cheap entertainment. The communities that we've talked about that seem most powerful or deep, there's the ability to contribute that spurs on motivation to stay with that community more and more and contribute more to it. So that seemed like one cycle that could help to identify and understand what types of moves might be effective in building, in building community and supporting the business. I think something about the shape of what that can look like back to Darren's grid. So Duke at Duke, the Cameron crazies were a huge part of coach K's success recruit the best recruits wanted to come there because I don't know if Bryn ever like tented out to get her tickets or something, but from what I understand, like, Oh my God, then it became a thing. And then Billy Packer was talking about, it, and then it kept feeding it. But at no point did Coach K say, hey, I want some people to come down and help me like during timeouts. And in fact, I think people started to bring like those Vuvuzelas from South Africa. And Coach, Coach K said, yeah, get that nonsense out of here. So he had a framing. And Darren, your background in music and concerts, you wanted a certain participation. So the energy was spread through the venue. But as soon as someone tries to get on stage with Keith Richards, they're yeah. not welcome there. So there's a clarity of these different, different roles and what it's not just, Hey, it's all free for all. Yeah. Yeah. Well, as I was listening to Dave Matthews band has a, a, a channel on, on, on XM Sirius radio and I'm a huge Dave Matthews band fan. And, and I was listening the other day and clearly it was a, it was a, a, a show, um, but it wasn't live clear like COVID times, but it was a show from, I think 2002 in Seattle. And um, the crowd, Dave's, Dave's from South Africa, but lives in Seattle and, and the crowd, you know, you just knew from the minute that, you know, he took the stage, the crowd was going to be super into the show. And so the crowd was really loud and, and, and wanted to really interact with the band and the band feeds off that. And, and it's amazing. But <laughs> at one point during the show, Dave goes, I love you all, but we're running the show tonight. <laughs> Throughout this conversation, I noticed really interesting, almost warning signs about community as we think of it in business today. It's not hierarchical or able to be controlled. 
it's not part of the marketing department, perhaps. And the way many businesses we mentioned are doing it today, it's not necessarily sticky in the positive sense. So when we think about the positive power of community and business, it seems we may be at awkward early stages. But the race is on because the potential for it to create long-term sustainable competitive advantage is so massive. We may be in an infant status and have so much more to learn. Thanks for listening.